0: So our reading this evening is uh, Luke chapter 5 and it is verses 1 to 11 and it'll be up on the screen but if you want to follow it in the uh, Bibles it is on page 1032. So that's page 1032. Jesus calls his first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. Jesus sat, saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, "'Go away from me, Lord.' I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Sarah-Jane. Good evening. It's great to be back with you guys. I've been away for about four weeks now, probably, something like that. Um, I had a kidney stone just before Christmas, yeah, Ooh. yeah, it was bad. If anyone has ever seen the Friends episode where Joey gets a kidney stone, I was just like that. I crawled into a&E on all fours, crying. It was awful. But anyway, I'm not. I, don't, I won't be a martyr. <laughs> and um, well, and then I spent uh, two and a half weeks in South Africa in Cape Town, which was amazing. And it's really good to be back with you all this evening. So great to see so many of you. Let's begin by praying together, Father God. I pray that as we open your word this evening as we look at this amazing passage of calling, and you calling Peter, Lord, to drop everything and to follow you. Lord, I pray that we would be inspired by this, that we too would understand your calling upon our lives, that we too would follow you with all of our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was preparing this evening, I was thinking about actually how difficult it is at times to be a christian it is a difficult thing to be a christian and really we've got this sin that we're bombarded with every day every week of our lives we've got temptations that come our way on a regular basis we've got rejections that we might feel we're trying to talk to our non-christian family friends or neighbours or people like that and we feel rejected because they don't know what we want to have they don't want to know what we have to say we might feel these it's, it's difficult to be a Christian often. And we emphasize, I think, as Christians often as well, that it is difficult to be a Christian. And really, we don't have it as difficult in this country as some countries do. The persecution that goes on in some countries for Christians is just unbearable. And yet, whilst this is true, whilst it is a difficult thing to be a Christian, I think if we look at it at the flip side to see that actually what an amazing privilege it really is to be a follower of Christ. What an amazing privilege it is to read this Word, to read the Word of God, to study God's Word, to have this Bible freely in this country. It's an amazing thing. It really is. It really is an incredible thing to be a Christian. So I'm going to start by asking a question this morning, or this evening, sorry. I spoke this morning as well, so I'm used to saying this morning. The question is, is your Christianity, if you're honest with yourselves, is your Christianity today more about have-tos than it is about get-tos? I have to do this. I have to read my Bible. I have to be coming to church on a Sunday. I have to be in a relationship with God. Or is it more about, I get to do this. I get to have a relationship with God. I get to read the Word of God. I get to pray. I get to be a follower of Christ. If we're honest with ourselves. Is it more about have-to's than it is about get-to's? See, I read this passage where Peter is called by Jesus. It's an amazing passage. Peter is called to follow Christ. And what does he do? He leaves everything. He drops everything to be a follower of Christ he doesn't say oh god you know but let me take let me take this with me or let me take that let me take my money let me take... he just says no i'm going to i'm going to drop everything i'm going to follow christ i honestly think that peter looked at it he saw fish in one hand and in the other hand he saw god and he thought well it's a no brainer isn't it really of course i'm going to go with god to choose fish over god i mean it's ridiculous isn't it He chose to be a follower of Christ, to leave everything and to follow him. And as I've been studying this week, I've looked at some commentators that would commentate on this passage and people that would speak on this passage, and they often take it in a kind of depressing way. Really depressing way that they would say, well, you know, Peter had to leave his boat. He had to leave his family business behind. He had to leave this catch of fish. And, you know, he could have made loads of money from this catch of fish. He could have sold it and he could have used that money to give to the poor, used it for Jesus's ministry. I, I really don't think Peter saw it like that. I don't think that he thought in that way. It wasn't a depressing thing for Peter. I think Peter thought, fish or God, of course I'm going to follow God every single time. Of course I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. That's what makes sense. See, I see Peter being amazed that the opportunity to follow Jesus Christ. And I hope that that is our attitude today as well. I hope that when we think about it, when we think about our relationship with God, that it is a privilege, that it is an honor to follow God himself. Because really, if we weren't following God, who would we rather follow? If we weren't following God, Jesus Christ, who would we rather follow? Think about that for a second. It's an incredible privilege, an amazing thing to be a follower of Christ. So we pick up the story, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, would you open them up to Luke chapter 5, verse 1. If you've got your booklets, I would be really impressed if you've got your booklets. I said to you before Christmas, read these over Christmas, get to know the Word of God, get to know Luke's Gospel if you've done it. Brownie points. Lois has got it. Lois. That. Oh, Round of applause for Lois. Come oh. <laughs> Open it up to Luke chapter five if you've got that with you, starting from verse one. Well done, Lois. Start. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, okay. So the lake of Gennesaret, this is the Sea of Galilee. This is the ancient name for the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were asked who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, so Jesus is standing by the Sea of Galilee. Okay, and He's got crowds of people that are crowding around him. They want to hear what this teacher says. They want to hear what he has to say. Jesus is famous in this area, for the words, for the wisdom that this young man has. And he's healing people. He's been performing miracles all over the place. And the people are asking, you know, what what can this man do for me? How can he heal me? They want to come and hear him. So he's got these crowds of people crowding around him. And what he does is he gets into the boat, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he goes out a little way and begins to teach the people from the boat so that he's got some projection. Makes sense. Jesus was clever. It says that he took the boat, the one belonging to Simon. He got in the boat, and he's teaching the people. And then we see what happens here in verse 4. Verse 4, it says that when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So, okay, are we seeing the picture here? Jesus is teaching the people. When he's done teaching, he says to Simon, Hey, Simon, why don't you throw the nets over? Okay, let's go a little bit deeper. And Simon reluctantly does it. He thinks, yeah, we've worked hard all night. Why am I now going to throw the nets over? But he does it because Jesus tells him to. They start catching all these fish and it was such a big catch that Simon then has to signal the other boat to come over, a second boat, so that they can take all of these fish and they both begin to sink. Can you imagine how many fish are on both of these boats, that both of the boats are sinking with the amount of fish, the catch that they've done. There's a couple of things, two things that I want to recognize from this passage. The first is this the first is that Peter was reluctant to throw the nets over in the first place. He didn't want to do it. These guys are fishermen. Peter, his companions, his family members, they're fishermen. One thing they know is fish. They're pretty good with fish. They probably don't know that much else, but they're good with fish. This is their business. They've been in the fish business for a long time, probably for most of their lives. And now Jesus comes along, a carpenter, someone who doesn't know about fish. Jesus knows about wood. And the carpenter, the know all, says to Peter, Throw your nets down. Do this. And they're like, Why? We've been working hard all night. Why would we do this, Jesus? There's no point. We've, We've worked hard all night and we've seen nothing. Why now would we do it? And yet Peter does it because Jesus tells him to. See, Jesus has a relationship with with Peter already. Jesus has already healed Peter's mother-in-law. Okay, so they have this relationship. And Peter knows that Jesus performs miracles. So he thinks, okay, right, well, I'm going to do what Jesus says because he's already performed a miracle for me. So he does it. You see, Jesus makes them work hard all night before he performs this miracle. He makes them work. Why? Why does he do that? Why doesn't he just show up at the beginning of the evening and do the miracle? Why does he wait? Why does he let them work? You see, I think as we read scripture and as we go back to the Old Testament, we often see that God allows his people to go through certain things to get to a position where it seems impossible in the human strength to be able to do it so that God can show up, so that God can do it in his power and for his glory, so that it's done in the strength of God and not in human strength, so that no human can say, oh, well, look how great I am. Look how marvelous I am. They can't be full of pride. They can't say they did it in their own strength, that it is done in the strength of God, a seemingly impossible situation. There's a few examples. First is the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Okay, so the Israelites, they're fleeing from the Egyptians. Pharaoh, we know the story of the plagues of Egypt, and they're on the run. Pharaoh then decides, "Hang on a sec! I shouldn't have let the Israelites go." So he starts chasing the Israelites. The Israelites get to the Red Sea, and they've got this huge sea in front of them, huge sea, and they think, "Well, there's no way. There's no way we're going to get over. We're going to get slaughtered. We're going to get taken back to Egypt." And so Moses and the Israelites cry out to God. And what does God do? He, he parts the Red Sea. A miracle. And they walk through on dry land. And the Egyptians who are chasing get swept up in the waves. But God allows them to go that far. He allows them to get to a point where it's impossible. And then he shows up to show his power. To show that it's done in the strength of God. And the Israelites, they're, they're praising God because they've seen this amazing miracle. Their faith is also built up. The story of Gideon in the Old Testament, Judges 7 and 8, is a similar thing. Gideon has 32,000 men okay, to go up against an army of 100,000 men. See, we look at that and we think, well, of course, it's silly, isn't it? 32,000 against 100,000, he's going to get slaughtered. What does God say? God says, you've got too many men, Gideon. Take it down. So he whittles it down to 22,000. He's lost 10,000 men. So he's now got 22,000 against 100,000 men. And God says, too many. Take it down. He's thinking, what? Take it down? 22 against 100,000? That's ridiculous. Takes it down to 300. 300 men against 100,000. Impossible. Human strength, completely, they would have been wiped out. And yet, Gideon's army wins the battle. Because it's done in the strength of God, because God is with them. God is with them, and he gets the power, and he gets the glory. The story of Jesus and Lazarus. Lazarus is a good friend of Jesus. And Jesus is given a report that his good friend Lazarus is dying. And Jesus, you'd think at that point, would go to Lazarus, would go and heal him, or go and do something, go and comfort him, but he doesn't. He continues on ministering. He's going around. He's healing people around the place that he's at at the moment. He then gets a second report to say, your friend Lazarus is dead. Jesus, at this point, doesn't go to see Lazarus. He waits. He waits four days. His friend Lazarus has been dead for four days. It says this in Scripture. Jesus goes, and this is the shortest passage in the whole Bible, says that Jesus wept. Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus. And he commands Lazarus to walk out of the tomb, and Lazarus walks out, having been dead for four days. You see, we look at that and think, well, that's impossible, that could never happen. It says it in this book, I believe it to be true, that Jesus can perform miracles. And he leaves it to a point where they get to a position where they say, well, there's no way. This is what he does with Peter and the fishermen. They've worked hard all night. God, there's no way there's any more fish here. We've worked hard all night. We know fish. You don't know fish. And he does it. And they get the huge, huge catch of fish, the biggest they've ever seen in their life. This is a miracle. See, what can we learn from this? If you're facing something at the moment that you think is impossible, that you think, well, there's no way this could ever happen, There's no way I could ever be healed. There's no way that situation's ever going to come to pass. Maybe God has allowed it to get to this point where you just need to cry out to him. What is God saying? Turn to me. Bring this to me. Let me do this in my own strength. Don't try to do this in your own strength. How many times do we need to hear this? How many times do I need to hear this? How many times do I try and do things in my own strength? And God is saying time and time again, George, stop it. Take it to me. It's what it says in this word. It's true. Whatever you're going through at the moment that you think is an impossible situation, bring it to God. And he will do it. He will do it. Because he is a good God. That's the first thing that I want to bring out of this passage. The second is from verse 8. Turn with me to verse 8 in your Bibles. Okay, they catch all of these fish. It's the biggest catch they've probably ever caught in their life. What would you expect their response to be? I would think excitement, joy, happiness. Wow, we're rich. This is amazing. Let's go out and party. Let's celebrate. Let's go to the pub, whatever. You know, excitement. And what does Peter do? He falls on his knees. The first thing he says is, get away from me because I am a sinful man. Isn't that an odd response? That's an odd response to me anyway. You see, what I think happened was Peter realized that he was in the presence of God. That he was in the presence of a divine being. And I think this is one of the early stages where Peter really understands and realizes that Jesus is God. Peter was one of the first to find out or to, to say, Jesus, you are God, you are the Messiah. I think this is one of the first times that he does that. He realizes that he is in the presence of a divine being and he falls on his knees because he knows what a sinful man that he is in comparison to a holy, holy God. The same thing happens in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, the servant of the Lord, sees the glory of God and he does the same. He falls to his knees and he says, Woe are me, I am dead. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. I'm a man of unclean lips and yet my eyes have seen the king He was in the presence of God and he's broken because he knows his sin. He knows his sin in comparison to the holiness of God and he can't stand it. Let me ask you the question, when were you last amazed at the holiness of God? Truly amazed at the holiness of God in comparison to your own sin? Yeah, see, I think what we often do is we, we take lightly our relationship with God and we think, oh, you know, I'm quite casual about it. I'm just going to, you know, chat to God like I chat to anyone else. We, when we come into the presence of God, we're talking to God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. The most amazing being, divine being. And yet are we flip See, I know sometimes I am. And I'm caught up in this way of praying. That Really, do I really know who I'm praying to? When was the last time we were amazed at the holiness of God? When was the last time we too fell on our knees? Because we saw how amazing God was in comparison to how sinful we were, we are. See, when I first experienced grace for the first time. That's what I experienced. I saw actually how wretched I was as a human being, how bad I was, how sinful I was. And yet the holiness of God was so great that he would choose to love me despite my sin, despite what I'd done, that he would choose to accept me, to call me to be a follower of him, even though I was a complete and utter sinner. You see, that is grace. That is the beauty of this book, that is the beauty of the gospel, is God chooses us despite our sin. And it's not to say that we should go on sinning, we should try to be better, we should, but that he accepts us just as we are, calls us to be a follower of him. That is the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of grace. You see, I think Peter gets this. I think he understands that this is what God is calling him to, that he's calling him to a life to be with him. And he invites him. He invites him to be a follower of Christ. He invites him to not go after fish, but to go after and to catch men. This is an invitation to Peter to come to drop everything and follow him. And Peter does it. This is not a depressing passage. I believe this is the most exciting thing that ever happened in Peter's life. He looks at it and he thinks, fish or God? God course i'm going to go god every time see i wonder for us as i was thinking about this what is it for me what is it for me that holds me back from truly following christ to say that if well if god asked me to leave everything and to follow him would i do it what holds me back what what are the fish in my life what are the fish in your lives where you think you know it's just a bit too tough can I really let that thing go? Can I really let go of my finances? Could I really let go of those friendships in my life if God called me to go to this place? Could I let go of where I think that I'm going to go? Could I let go of this job opportunity if God called me to? And it's not to say that we should leave everything and go and follow Jesus, but if he asked us to, would we be willing? It's a matter of the heart. Would we be willing if God asked us to do it? He's God number one in our lives. What is it that holds us back from being a true follower of Christ? I wonder if you just spend a few moments thinking about that for yourself. What is it that holds you back? From saying, yes, God, I will go with you to the ends of the earth. If you call me to do that, I would do it. Let's Just spend a couple of moments thinking about that. I think I would say one of the biggest things for me is security and living in a secure place and having the security of having a wage and a few years ago I was in um, an organization called YWAM and good organization but with YWAM you're expected to fundraise to get the money that you need and I found that really difficult as a person who doesn't like to ask for money from people and In some ways, it was a difficult thing. And in some ways, I thought, oh, well, fantastic. When I go into the Church of England, then I'm going to get a wage. I don't need to ask people for money anymore. But in some ways, the best thing about YWAN was the fact that you had to fundraise and that you had to trust and rely on God to get the money that you needed. Because when you did see that money come in, then you were like, wow, this is God. This is amazing. I can remember going on a mission trip and I needed 500 pounds. And I had a day to give this money. And God showed up, and I got a check through the post for 500 pounds from an anonymous person. I didn't tell anyone else. Is that God? (laughs) See, I think for me, what holds me back is the security. And it can be many different things. And I wonder, how would we put this into practice this week? And it's, I would say, probably for me, a couple of times in my life, I've been able to say, you know what, I would just drop everything to go and follow Christ a couple of times, if I'm honest. And really, how do we put this into practice on a day-to-day basis? I think it means us surrendering, coming before God, acknowledging the holiness of God, acknowledging the amazing beauty, the gift of grace, acknowledging that we get to have a relationship with Jesus Christ acknowledging that we get to read his word acknowledging that we get to pray on a daily basis coming before him and surrendering ourselves before him reminding ourselves of who he is and what he's done for us so i wonder for you this week if you go away from here and if you're meeting in small groups to to ask each other that question and you don't have to share um, your answer but to challenge each other what is it really for you that holds you back from being a true follower of Christ and to spend some time this week praying about that and to spend some time asking God and his Holy Spirit to help us to live those lives where we could just say, yeah, God, if you call me to do it, then I'll go because you're worth it. It's really God in comparison to the fish in our life. It's the most amazing thing we could ever do. I'm going to invite the band up to come and to lead us in a time of response I'd like to encourage you to to be prayed for um, about this. And I know for me, I need prayer. Um, my health, for me, over the last few weeks has been a concern and a worry for me. And um, I know it's only kidney stones, but <laughs> a bit of a hypochondriac and start Googling all the things that could be wrong with me. But it's been a worry for me, and it's something that I've needed to receive prayer for. And and there there are things that we all need to receive prayer for. if you would like that then as the band plays in a time of response please do come and receive prayer there'll be some of us to pray over to my left at the front i'm going to pray for us as we close father god thank you that we get to be a disciple that we get to be a follower of christ lord thank you for the amazing privilege that that truly is Thank you that we can experience your grace today, that it is a free gift given to anyone who asks. Thank you that you love us despite our sin, that you call us despite our sin, like Peter. And Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us for those things in our lives that do hold us back, whatever that may be for us. Help us, Lord, to surrender those things. Help us to give them over to you on a daily basis because stuff comes back. That may be relationships, that may be money, security, whatever it may be, Lord, help us. I pray, Lord, that we would be accountable to one another. And build each other up in the faith. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.